You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast. Your number one podcast for Florida Gator football. Scared money don't make money. All right, folks, joining me on Getting Swamped from On3.com and Stadium and Gale Podcast, Nicholas Delatory. Nick, and, and, and I was down there last week in, in the swamp. I know you were there. What was that electricity like, man? I mean, I was up there in the high-riser high stands. I had to get a cheap ticket because my hotel room was pretty expensive. But sitting from up top, it was still loud. I could imagine even being towards, I guess, in the press box a little bit and even towards the middle of the, uh, I guess, the stadium there, it was probably really loud. Yeah, I I, I felt like I talked more about, I sound like an idiot because people were asking me about you talking about matchups. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think this is going to be an electric crowd and I want to talk about it. Um, and I kind of like was yeah. hoping and dreaming uh, of a, an electric atmosphere in the swamp and hats off. Hats off to Gator Nation because, my goodness, you guys showed up. You were loud. And I get, I get a lot of flack because I, I give the students uh, flack for showing up late, leaving early, and I get it. But they were in their seats. That was, um, I think, in the 57 games I've covered Florida football, I think that was the loudest environment. Now, I was at Tebow Senior Day. I was at the Cock Block. Those were some louder games, but that was during the greatest five years of Florida football history. Um, so for me, that environment against Utah was incredible. It was everything that I hoped it would be. Um, so shout out to Gator Nation. It was a lot of fun. And I'm jealous because Zach, we gave Zach Albaverde our, our photo pass. So he was down there on the field and was able to really soak it in because as loud as it is, in your section, as loud as it could be, you know, in the press box where we're sitting, uh, you're really feeling it down on the field. Yeah, I could imagine being down there just in the core, like right in the middle yeah. of the storm, like the eye of the storm where the hurricane's at right on the field. And you just got all those fans screaming, man. It, it was pretty cool, man. And, I, and I'll say it was a first time experience for me. I, you know, usually I try to go to the first game of the season. Usually Florida doesn't really play anybody the first game of the season. This time they did. Uh, the way that they won the game, that after that interception, I don't think I could have heard anything else. My ears were ringing after that. And I learned a valuable lesson. Don't scream so much that you can't do a podcast the next day because yeah. I lost my voice a lot. So <laughs> if you ever see us guys out here and we're quiet, it's not because we're not excited. It's because we got to record the next day. <laughs> so big lesson I learned there and big game coming up here in the swap. Florida versus Kentucky. And before we briefly go over it here real quick, Nick, there's a huge recruit list coming up in here in store for the Florida Gators inside of Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Let's go over that list real quick. Nick, what you got? Some big names. So the big news is Keon Keeley um, changing it from an official visit to a yep. unofficial visit. Um, Florida all along had said we're only doing official visits for LSU, the LSU game. Um, and I think the, that reason is Florida doesn't. You don't get yes, you get the game day experience, but you don't get the one-on-one -on -one interactions because the right. the coaching staff are out recruiting on Friday night. Then their entire Saturday is in a hotel until they get to the field, and then now you're talking about a night game. You might not be able to see Keon until eleven thirty. Um, Florida wants when the guys are on official visits to get the full impact for the coaches and the staff to be with them. That the the recruits are a priority, but they're not priority number one on Saturdays in the fall. So. 
Switching that to an unofficial visit, you'll likely see him back for an official for the LSU week. Now you get him on campus twice when you might have only gotten him once for a game. He's going to be able to see another sold-out swamp against Kentucky and then a sold-out swamp versus LSU. So this is great for Florida. Um, he's the number one edge player that we have on, on three. Um, top 100 cornerback Dijon Johnson is going to be in the swamp. Florida offensive line commit for now, Roderick Kearney. We'll be in the swamp. I think there's a lot of smoke trending towards a flip there for Florida. Um, top 100 defensive lineman, Jordan Hall. UCF defensive line commit, John Walker, is most likely going to be there. Four-star safety, Bryce Thornton. An elite quarterback. I have I didn't really – I don't. I definitely don't get into recruiting for like the next year, um, but I've watched uh, DJ Derek Lagaway for a little bit now. This kid's good. This oh, kid's yeah. good, and, and you know he's got my heart since he's a baseball player as well. Um, he'll be in the swamp um, uh, on on 300 athlete Chilio Cummings, as well as some other 2024 20, guys um, will be in the swamp. So, uh, and then and then the Gator commits. I think it's always important when you have uh, big prospects coming in to see the game day atmosphere. Like I just said before, the coaches can't be there. Have commits in town who can kind of be. Um, a surrogate for the coaching staff to give you that recruiting pitch the whole time you're there. So you'll have uh Trayon Webb, Cameron James, Sharif Denson, TJ Searcy, and Kelby Collins and Aiden Mizell in the swamp being surrogate coaches for the, the rest of the uncommitted guys. So no punters coming, man. Uh, I don't know. I have to go further down my list, but listen, there's always room for a punter. Might have to go to Australia for that. There you go. Punters are people, Nick. We all know. Yeah, that. Always. <laughs> all right. Now let's start with Kentucky, man. It's a big news coming out from Kentucky. They'll be out with their star running back, Chris Rodriguez, out with the suspension for right now. Anyway, we'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Houston State transfer Ramon Jefferson out with an ACL injury and Jatan McLean also looks to be out with an injury. With looking at the total rushing yards Kentucky had against Miami, Ohio, I believe it was like 50 rushing yards total. This puts Kentucky in a rough spot, wouldn't you say, Nick? It, it, it's interesting because I give Mark Stoops a lot of credit. It's I, I've always joked Kentucky football is an easy job. Win six games, beat Louisville, maybe sneak in an eight-win seat, an eight-win season somewhere, and you've got job security for forever. Um, Mark Stoops came in and recruited to an identity, developed the players to that identity, and they played to their identity. Not this year. Kentucky in the Stoops era has been big and beefy on either line, and they've controlled the line of scrimmage. They've been able to run the ball this year, maybe because of the guys you're not that aren't available at running back, and because you have a quarterback that can throw it like Will Levis. They're playing away from that identity. Yep. Unfortunately for Kentucky, I think Florida has two major deficiencies, and Utah kind of gave you the blueprint how to beat Florida. Will uh, Dan, Dan Mullen didn't leave the cupboard bare, but there's not enough plates and dishes in the cupboard uh, to have 10 people over for dinner. And, right. and you see that you see that in the snap counts. Brenton Cox had to play 57 snaps. Gervon Dexter at defensive tackle played 68 snaps. These guys are just dog tired at the end of games and teams will be able to run against Florida because of that. Um, you also have middle linebackers that while great in, in run cover or in stopping the run, aren't great in, in the passing game. And listen, Brant Keithy is going to hurt a lot of people's feelings this year. That's not totally on Amari Bernie. It just is what it is at Florida's linebacker spot. You look at Kentucky, they 
can't attack Florida's weaknesses on defense. And, and right. then you look at Kentucky and probably because you're missing um, those running backs, not great in the red zone where Florida's deficiencies are kind of negated just because you can put nine guys on the line of scrimmage in a goal line stand. And those guys, the linebackers aren't necessarily going to have to cover the, the tight end or those slot receivers. So now the only two deficiencies I see for Florida's defense, when you get into the red area, aren't there anymore. So for me, I think it's going to be a struggle for Kentucky. I, I, I really like Florida's secondary. I like Florida's uh, cornerbacks. I don't think Will Levis had his probably had his worst game against Florida last year. And, and I don't see him without the guys who aren't playing, being able to put the whole team on his shoulders, come into a sold out swamp and carry Kentucky to a win with his arm. Yeah, you got that right. Even with the deficiencies that you uh, said about Florida, I mean, it's just going to be so hard for Will Levis to actually put the whole game on his shoulders. He kind of had yeah. to do that with Miami, Ohio, too. He passed for 303, didn't rush for a lot. So the guy was under pressure a lot, got sacked four times. Uh, so he did a lot in that game, and obviously he was able to pull it away after halftime, and there was a uh, obviously a special team <laughs> score from uh, Brown there. So, I mean, he had a little bit of help. And, and it helped them get past Miami, Ohio. And you don't want to look too far into that game because every game's different every, any given Saturday. We saw what happened with Florida's defensive line. We saw what happened with those tight ends. But nine times out of ten, like David Water says, every person, and just as you said, in the nation is going to have trouble against those two tight ends mm-hmm. in that tandem. So Kentucky today just announced that linebacker Jordan Wright will now be available mm-hmm. to play. Uh, miracle, isn't it, Nick? Yeah, it, uh, it, it is interesting. It's, so I think this was an NCAA deal, um, you know, and the NCAA works slower than our judicial system works. Um, so who knows when the NCAA will, you know, clear Rodriguez. Uh, I think Florida fans are hoping it's not, you know, uh, Friday before the charter <laughs> takes off right. from Lexington. Um, but it, certainly good timing for Kentucky. And this is a an edge rusher. Um, pro- like Anthony Richardson's hard to get on the ground, and I think this is a guy. He's not going to be as fast as Anthony, but he's definitely physical and, and might be able to tackle him. It's it's big news for Kentucky. It's a really really big development for the Wildcats. I still don't it, like it helps, but I don't think it's a difference maker in the result. Right. I, I I obviously I didn't when I heard the news I was just like yeah that's that's a stoops thing but at the same time I was just like I'm still not worried and it's done it still doesn't change my prediction for the game and which I'll get to at the end of this podcast but let's talk about you know our, well, it, it does feel oh, it ahead. does feel a lot like Steve Spurrier used to needle Phil Fulmer because uh, <laughs> Florida Florida would always play Tennessee either the third game or the fourth game of the year and Steve Spurrier would be like well. Looks like they got all those guys back that were suspended for week four. Guess they just had to play against the Gators. I'm like, yeah, it feels a lot like that. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I guarantee you, probably Spurrier did say that to Billy Napier at one point yeah. today. <laughs> so, yeah, man. Uh, we'll be a tall task, especially in that run game for Kentucky. But uh, we want to get to our run game now. Last week, if you go by some sites, we rushed 283. If you go by others, we rushed 285. Some people count negative yardage towards the rushing yardage. Some don't. Uh, I'm going 285 here. Lorenzo Lingard, he's listed back on the depth chart. First off, for everybody listening, Nick, and, and I'm pretty sure there's nothing to it, why was he off the depth chart last week? Because I'm getting that question a lot. If you know anything, you do. If you don't, I'm pretty sure it was kept in-house, but what do you know? It uh, He was fine. Um, it, it's a... 
it's supposed to be a too deep depth chart. That's what Billy has called it. He says we, it's our yep. too deep. So it's not a depth chart. I think Travis Etienne being added to it was more just a nod to him as, hey, you've come in, worked your tail off. You're going to play in this game, and we want to give you some acknowledgement. So I don't think – I mean, and he's hopped past Lorenzo. So I think that was just a nod to, tra- uh, to Etienne. So to me, it's uh, – I still think Lorenzo Lingard is fourth among the guys. And, and, right. and that's – and fans are like, well, what's wrong with him, this and that? And then when you see the guys that were ahead of him run the ball, you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. They're really good. Yeah, and, and you know what? Actually, from what I saw from Trevor Etienne last week, 12 yards per rush, nabbed every first down that he, he was 5 for 5 on the first downs. Hey, mm-hmm. keep Etienne in there, man. I, I have no issue with that after seeing what I saw last week. Uh, I do, you know, I would love to see Lingard get touches. And, you know, I know he, Naper, he probably usually sticks to his, you know, his depth chart and where people are placed. I saw that ETN was on kickoff return as well uh, and punt return. So we'll see what happens with that. But do you think you maybe in the future see Lorenzo Lingard maybe blocking kicks or returning kicks, doing something on special teams down the road? I, I mean, you could. He's... he's... He's he's saying everything that he needs to say publicly, you know, whether it's Twitter or Instagram or when uh, when when he talks. Um, I, I just don't know. Like you're at his age, you know, this was supposed to be a money season where you get drafted. I, it can't be easy, um, but I do think he is the player that would go into the coach's office and ask, like, "Can I get on special teams? Can I? I will hold the ball on on PATs. Like he just wants to play." Yeah. Um, whatever role that is. And would he love to carry the ball 25 times a game? I'm sure. But if that's not an option, I think he would be open to doing something like that for sure. Yeah, that's a lot of speed you got sitting there on that bench. Uh, mm-hmm. It would it would be bad to put not put that to good use. Dan Mullen didn't know how to do that, so hopefully Billy Napier and staff maybe they can find a spot for him and, and, and may you know maybe he, he's just maybe struggling in practice. Maybe can't make a depth chart for a week. You know, it's a week to week basis, I guess. We'll just have to see where they put Lorenzo Lingard. Uh, we talked about Will Levis having a decent passing game last week. Three oh three, he was sacked four times. Uh, Florida has way more talent on their defensive line, but as you said, they kind of got gassed out that third, fourth quarter. Now, Miami, Ohio, they had four sacks. Uh, Last week, Florida had only 10 quarterback pressures, and I think they were up against a better quarterback. I mean, this guy that that played last week, he knows. He's a veteran. He's He's been out there. He knows how to throw the ball out of bounds, knows how to elude pressure. There was 10 pressures this game, so they did get to the quarterback last week. But do you see... You know, Florida maybe having a little bit more success on this defensive line, or do you kind of see like Will Levis and some of the uh, maybe the other tight ends? They're watching that film, right? So maybe they're game planning for a lot of pressures and short pass situations because Will Levis really, really productive in short pass situations. Do you see them trying to kind of roll the quarterback out, get some short passes off, do some slants if they can't get the run game going, or do you see Florida just mulling this offensive line and just running them over? Well, I, I that's a big question mark for me. Kentucky's already shuffling up the offensive line, kicking out the left guard to left tackle and putting somebody else in at guard. Yeah. So they clearly know that that was a deficiency for them and need to figure it out some way. Um, for me, I look at it and I think Florida didn't really get to the quarterback. You mentioned the pressures, but Cam Rising is is, is a veteran. Um, I think Florida, given the 
depth and the talent they have on the edges, I think teams will try to get if they if they can, will try to get that quick intermediate passing game going because Florida's linebackers aren't great in coverage and that negates a quick passing game negates a great pass rush. So I think that's also part of the blueprint to beat Florida. Um, I, I really like Florida secondary um, good news with getting Jaden Hill back on the practice field um, this week as well, but it, <laughs> you're not going to have a lot of time. And so that might crush any hopes you had of, of uh, passing the ball down the field. So, yeah, I think you're right on, right on the money there saying Kentucky will try in lieu of a running game as well, try to swing the ball out, throw the ball into the flats or throw some, you know, shorts, intermediate passes uh, in between the hash marks. I think that's, the Kentucky game plan for sure. Yeah, I think they're going to try to rely on some broken plays, some screens if they're blitzed. Um, uh, it, it, I just have a feeling that that's what they're going to stick to. They're going to look at last week's film and say, hey, they they wore down their defensive line third and fourth quarter. <laughs> it, it, you never know. I, I, that's uh, assuming that what that's their game plan. And last yeah. week, Miami, Ohio, I mean, they rushed for 129 total yards on this team. And th- yeah. this isn't a – I mean, I'm not going to say that they're not a talented team, but they obviously don't recruit like Florida. Their quarterback, Gabbert, had almost one third of those rushing yards at 41 <laughs> Gabbard's six foot weighs around 205 doesn't run like Anthony Richardson Richardson on the other hand six foot four 240 runs 21 miles an hour plus Kentucky loves to run that zone defense too do you see Kentucky just having really bad trouble with Florida's run game I think Anthony Richardson is going to have a dirty jersey and not the kind of dirty jersey that Kentucky wants him to have. Not because (laughs) he's getting sacked, but because he's doing that baseball slide we saw him do against Utah. If you give Anthony Richardson the time and space to run, and if you're playing this umbrella defense where you're just trying to keep things in front of you, Anthony Richardson will be into that space, and then good luck keeping him in front of you there. So I think Anthony Richardson – I. I think it was a good introduction because Gator fans and like and the local media here, we knew what he was. Like he is the answer to the trivia question. What if Cam Newton didn't steal a laptop? Like that's the potential that Anthony Richardson has. And yeah. other people just didn't know because you didn't see him because Dan Mullen wanted to keep him a secret last year. Um, I, I don't know that Anthony Richardson will like face someone that can stop him. Him until you get to Jacksonville, and then that's a brand new Georgia defense. So, uh, yeah, I, I predict Anthony Richardson will have a dirty jersey, particularly his pants, because he'll be sliding to avoid contact. Want to keep him, want to keep him uh, healthy uh, for, for this season. Yeah, he won't uh, be crapping his pants like that one running back oh, a while back. Shout Wait. out! Oh no, who is I, that? I forget his uh, name too. It was a backup man, running back. It was the Birmingham Adam Lane in the Birmingham Adam Lane, Bowl. That's it, Adam Lane. <laughs> Let's not have an Adam Lane man and have him have no. to rush back to the sideline because we're going to need him out there on the field. Um, yeah. As far as passing wise, uh, last week Florida only attempted one pass over twenty yards. Now, part of mm-hmm. me thinks that was the game plan against Utah. You know, limit them in, in their offense because they have a high powered offense there. Run the ball, keep them off the field, short, quick pass plays. Do you see this being the game plan the same way against Kentucky? I see that being the game plan all year. If you all look right. at Florida, yeah. if you look at Florida's depth, you you don't have that ma- that much depth on defense, but you have a really talented offensive line. You have a running back room that we talked about is so good you can't even get all of the guys on the field. Okay, well, why can't we impose our will um and and run the ball, win the line of scrimmage and 
win the time of possession. So I think that's going to be Florida's game plan. I'm not saying that's going to be Florida's identity for all of Billy Napier's tenure, but he's really good. He has a really good offensive line, a really good running game, and he's really good at putting his players in the best best position to be successful. So I think that is going to be Florida's bread and butter all year. I said in the offseason, I think Florida's going to run 60-40. And I also think Anthony Richardson – as good as he is, is not a polished passer yet. Um, I, I likened him to a pitcher without a changeup yet. Everything comes out <laughs> hot. Everything comes out hot. Uh, Ricky Pearsall had a great grab that the ball might have been eight feet in the air and he went up and got it. That's Anthony Richardson's miss right now uh, in his development is high. And if you're throwing the ball high, balls are going to get tipped and intercepted. So I think Billy Napier has a plan. And listen, until somebody stops the Florida running game, they're going to keep handing the ball off or – Letting Anthony run with it. Yeah, if, if it works, keep doing it, man. That, that's my my theory, whether I like the offense or not, or whether we put up 20, 30, or 40 points. If it's winning your games, keep doing it till somebody can stop it. So that's my opinion. Whether I do like how the offense is ran or not. So we'll see what happens well, there. It gets tough. The la- the, oh, go ahead. The, la- the last coach uh, counted wins as more yards. I think oh, this yeah, coach right. counts, counts wins as whoever has most points at the end of the game. Yeah, I think we had like, what, 380? on Kentucky last year uh, and he was yeah. like yeah we had 150 more yards than Kentucky did so <laughs> that's a win baby put it in the books there you go there you go uh Kentucky though they do have two pretty good receivers Barry and Brown which mm-hmm. I'll get into his stats later after this interview senior Virginia Tech transfer Tavion Robinson I personally think if Kentucky they don't have success running the football there's not a lot of broken plays that you put the the game of Will Levis's shoulders these footballs are gonna be flying towards trading Jason Marshall Avery Helm uh, who else, or I guess whoever they put back there at CB2 with Avery Helm as well. Do you kind of feel the same way here? Yeah, I, I think I think this game is going to be put onto Will Levis's right shoulder, um, which hopefully he has a bunch of mayonnaise in his coffee because uh, there's going to be a bunch <laughs> of Gators ready to pick that ball off. Florida um, had the one interception last week, but uh, you know it, it wasn't it wasn't a, a defensive back and. Uh, I think Florida wants to get takeaways. This defense, and I don't know if they're just, um, you know, parroting what the coaching staff says, but they talk about getting takeaways, and there's been an emphasis on taking the ball away from the other offense. And right now, listen, you got a linebacker leading the interception, the interceptions on the team, and uh, I don't think the secondary likes that. So I think I think uh, Kentucky will have trouble running the football, which will put it on Will Levis's shoulder, um, and I'm looking for guys. How – I, my big question is how often will Jason Marshall be tested? Like last year, Kyrie, Kyrie Elam was tested like against Alabama and that's it. And Alabama kind of went after him. Yeah. Um, and the referees had more success uh, than anyone else throwing, you know, penalties on him. I think uh, than Alabama actually had throwing the ball on him. How long will Jason Marshall get tested? And if Kentucky decides not to test him, all right, then that's Avery Helm. That's Kimber. Um, that's Devin Moore, who I got, who I thought had a great tackle to keep a guy in bounds last week. Oh, yeah. Um, that is trading. Um, that is Trevez Johnson. Um, so it'll be interesting to me, uh, especially if you're putting Brown into the slot, then that's on Trevez. And I, I would expect Kentucky to try to do some rub routes, which, you know, uh, picks and screens, I think is what they would call it on the basketball, on the basketball court, uh, yeah. but do some rub routes and, um, try to get, you know, guys handed off to those linebackers. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and look, just looking at last week's game, we're talking about the secondary right here, too. I mean, they I think they were right on par with the missed tackles that they had last year, if you kind of divide them up game by game. 
Obviously, they'll have to clean those up a little bit, but you didn't see a lot of Kentucky runs going like 50, 60, 70 yards for a yeah. touchdown. I mean, they were able to stop them, you know, once they maybe got to the 10-yard line or or something like that. So at least the tackling from a perspective is getting a little bit better, but it still has a long ways to go. And, you know, I, I think Florida will be tested with those two wide receivers out there. Obviously, it's not Wandell Robinson, and uh, but they're still fast. Marion Brown mm-hmm. runs like a 10.400 meter. Uh, so, I mean, he's got some speed, and he had a kickoff return yeah. last week. So we'll have to look out for him there in the special teams and in the return game. So, Nick, man, I'm going to go ahead and give you some fan questions here that uh, were Let's submitted by some of the guys out there. And uh, this one's from Alex Reed. He says, which is kind of funny, can we start a movement to do away with the money down gesture on third down? Hey, I'm 33. If if the student section is doing it, then it's probably something that's on TikTok or something they did in high school. And uh, and I don't know what it is. So, hey, if the kids are having fun, keep doing it. And I'll tell you this. They're not going to stop doing it because Florida keeps featuring it in the videos that they're putting out, which, by the way, I understand why UL uh, was furious when Doug left, because that journey yeah. video they had for week one that they're going to put out every week was phenomenal. Um, but yeah, as long as the University of Florida is putting out highlight videos or pictures with uh, the money down, uh, they're not going to stop doing it. No, I, I don't have a problem with it. As long as you can stop them on third down, I don't have a yeah. problem with it. Now, if you keep on giving them up like you were last week against uh, Utah's quarterback, maybe I might yeah. have an issue with it later on down the road. But it is the first game, new coaching staff, so they're all trying to figure things out there. So I'll give them a pass on that. Uh, this one comes from Jason, and actually I'll give you a number here, Nick. He says over, under, carries for Lingard. Let's do five. Under. Under five. How, how many do you think he gets? One or two. One or two. I, I, I'm i going to go, hmm, I, I don't want to go over, but I think he could get right at five, but we'll see. But it, it, Trevor Etienne, if he plays like he's playing, he's probably only going to get two. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll go maybe five, but I don't think he's going to go anything over five. But I'm pretty sure he may not even get five. So I'll go that way. This one is from Duval Boss 904 What are your keys to the game? Keys to the game are going to be stopping the run, which I don't think is a, is a tall task. Um, no. And and then when I look at this Kentucky team, I think they, I, I think Florida wins this game. And, and to me, that means, okay, don't give Kentucky big explosive plays by, you know, uh, blowing coverage, things like that, missing tackles and don't turn the ball over. Um, it seems crazy uh, given the last four years to say this, but like, I think Florida is out. Florida is better. Like this, this feels more like the previous 31 years than it does the last four. I think Florida has a better team. Um, I think they have a better scheme and they're healthier than Kentucky, more available than Kentucky, I guess would be the better term than healthy. Um, and when you're facing a team that you should beat, you just have to do the little things. Don't lose the turnover battle. Um, and, and don't let Kentucky get some big plays, hang around and build some confidence. Yeah, that's what kind of hurt him against Utah at the beginning of the game. I mean, they turned that ball over there and give Utah seven points right off the cuff when they got the ball. It, if you don't turn the ball over down there, even if you get three points, that score looks a lot different at the end of the game. Yep. So, you know, don't turn the ball over. I agree with that. That should be on every game's list yeah. to, to, to not do, is not turn over the football. And, and I kind of agree with you, man. I, I don't think Kentucky's going to be able to stop the run game as much. I mean, getting that linebacker back helps a little bit. But at the same time, I just don't see, uh, you know, Florida losing the game in the run game 
And, uh, you know, you run the ball. You don't give Will Levis a lot of time to get his offense on the field and all that. And if if you can go up a couple scores, you're going to have to kind of force Will Levis to throw the football. So we'll see what happens there, Dick. I want to go ahead and get your final score, man. What you got for us? Well, I am baseball. I'm a baseball guy. I'm superstitious. I picked against Florida last week. Um, I've eaten my crow all week long. Um, I feel like Gator fans won't like hearing this because they want me to continue picking against Florida because I'm an idiot and I can't get it right. Um, but I've got Florida winning this game uh, this week. I think my prediction. Well, I'm trying to. I talk so much. This I talk so much, Dave. And I give my prediction all the time. And I think my scores like fluctuate depending on what day <laughs> or what time I'm doing it. But I think my my score prediction was like 31 20. Florida. Yeah, I've got 37-17. I'm giving Kentucky maybe one more touchdown, but uh, we'll see. But maybe it's a garbage time touchdown. Let's hope that that's the case. Uh, but I remember last week I said 31-24, and then I said 28-24. I went back on both of those scores, and that's actually pretty close. So Either but, way, yeah. yeah. So, uh, like I said, we'll find out what goes on out here in the swamp. Nick, what do you guys got coming up for us at On3? Uh, man, we've had a ton of content, uh, recruiting, uh, my man, Corey Bender is just an absolute machine. Um, Zach's down on the field, getting a million views on a video on Twitter, uh, making me jealous and, uh, just, you know, we're having fun watching football. It's, it's, uh, Billy Napier said his opening week, he turned that back to one of his coaches and says, man, they pay us to do this. Um, it, it is a dream job. So having fun with it, uh, been laughing at myself along with all the fans this week. Um, hopefully they're not laughing at me for my predictions, uh, this coming Sunday or Saturday night. Well, hopefully we're laughing with a win and not laughing with a loss. So, uh, that'll be uh, the the better cushion, I guess, is to have the W then laugh and not have the L and then laugh at the same time. I don't think there's going to be a lot of people laughing if there's an L. We don't need to do what, uh, Brian Kelly did over there at LSU and lay an egg over there to Florida State. So (laughs) Mm, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. I know. Right. Right. All right, Nick, thank you for joining me on Getting Swamp. Nick Delatory on 3 Stadium. Miguel, you can check them out there as well on YouTube, all these other platforms out there. Nick, you got anything else to say, man? Say it. Good. Punters are people. Yep. Punters are people, too. Shout out to my guy, Jeremy Crawshaw, the Werfel Man of the Month for yeah, the brand. That's right. Um, I, I don't think Billy Napier is going to be an advocate for the Punters are People 2 movement. I think there's going to be some fourth down calls to go for it. Uh, so that's hard to see, but he, he got us he got us one back got the movement back one by uh naming Crawshaw the man of the month Crawshaw man of the month and you know what I, I still haven't seen anything from Trey Smack yet too we haven't even really talked about that because there's no field goals kicked last week so no we'll see what happens with that too but Nick thank you for joining me on getting swamp need a sign for your company your man cave your live stream or podcast give my guy brandon white a shout out at white and sons wood carving he has the best handcrafted signs nationally all custom fit your needs with state-of-the-art paint and epoxy you can have that glow of your sign too with some custom leds as a package as well give him a shout out on twitter at ws woodcarving you can also follow him on twitch and check out his facebook page at white and sons woodcarving top of the line signs made from scratch College programs must be competitive in name, image, and likeness. It impacts current athletes and affects the decisions of recruits. And Gator fans can put Florida at the forefront of NIL. The Gator Collective is leading the charge, uniting fans and student-athletes like never before. Commit for exclusive content, interactions, and events which bring you closer than ever to your favorite players. 
Also, by joining the Gator Collective, you're empowering these student-athletes to build relationships and develop skills that go far beyond just making money. You're providing an avenue for these Gators to excel in life. NIL will change the landscape of college sports if we can't be left behind. Gator Nation, do your part by joining the Gator Collective today at www.thegatorcollective.com. You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast with your host, David Soderquist, your number one source for all things college football and Florida Gators. All right, Nick Delatore there, very tenured veteran at what he does there and giving some good insight as to what Florida might do in this matchup against Kentucky. And I know one thing. I am taking the over again on Anthony Richardson when I put my pick in for prizepicks.com this weekend. If you haven't joined prizepicks already, I don't know what you are doing with your life. <laughs> prizepicks is the easiest way to play daily fantasy, and your boy David Soderquist can help you out when you sign up right now for prizepicks.com. Join prizepicks.com right now with promo code SWAP to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize picks entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. Prize picks offers every sport you can think of, like NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, MLB, soccer, MMA, esports, and more. Prize picks also has a ton of stats you can choose from. I'm a stat nerd myself, so including points, rebounds, assists, three pointers made, touchdowns, fumbles, interceptions, whatever you name it, Prize picks has it. Join prizepicks.com right now with promo code SWAP to double your deposit up to $100. PrizePicks.com. Daily Fantasy Simplified. You're listening to Getting Swamped with David Soderquist. All right. Florida versus Kentucky in the swap. Sold out once again. Ben Hill, Griffin Stadium. And reviewing the statistics, I found some pretty interesting things here about Will Levis. And no, it's not mayonnaise in the coffee routine or eating a non-peeled banana. But we'll get into that real quick after I speak about taking care of your grapefruits this coming season. Manscaped has really helped me in this part of the jungle with their new performance package 4.0. And once again, your boy, David Soderquist, could help you out when you purchase the performance package 4.0 from Manscaped.com with promo code SWAMPED20. Enter promo code SWAMP20 to receive 20% off plus free shipping when you order the Performance Package 4.0 or any product from Manscaped.com. Listen, I tried the Lawnmower 4.0. It's a complete game changer. I've, I used to have so much trouble getting in those tough-to-reach places, and now I don't have as many nicks as I used to. It's great. The wife loves it, and it's just smooth and simple. Purchase the Performance Package right now from Manscaped.com with promo code SWAMP20 and save 20% plus get free shipping site-wide on Manscaped's state-of-the-art products. Take care of your testicular fortitude this football season with the Performance Package 4.0. Manscaped.com, the absolute best in men's grooming. All right, folks, Florida versus Kentucky here. I I look back at this Miami-Ohio game last week, and it kind of did some statistical work uh, around, uh, you know, just looking up some normal stats about Will Levis here. And I came around with some very interesting statistics. Now, last week against Miami-Ohio, Kentucky's rushing stats were only 70 yards rushing. Not one running back had over 40 yards rushing 
Cavassier Smoke had the most rushing yards of the running backs with 32 rushing yards averaging 4.6 yards per rush. Zero rushing touchdowns, zero runs of 10-plus yards or more. As a team, they only averaged 3.5 yards per rush at four rushing first downs. That is not good in the run game. Now, Miami, Ohio's rushing stats against Kentucky, 129 yards rushing, had 59 more rushing yards than Kentucky. They averaged 5.9 yards per rush, 2.4 yards per rush more than Kentucky. One rushing touchdown, one more than Kentucky. Fumbled twice, though, but they had three runs of 10-plus yards or more, three more than what Kentucky had. Five rushing first downs. 54% of their rushing yards came on the right side of Kentucky's offensive line. 30% of their rushing yards came on quarterback scrambles. The rest of their rushing yards fell on the left side of Kentucky's offensive line, and a small percentage came on a quarterback sneak. Now, Kentucky passing against Miami, Ohio. We already explained this once during the podcast. 303 passing yards. Will Levis had a 65.6% completion rating, three touchdowns, one interception, and 16 passing first downs. But he was also sacked four times in that game. Now, when you don't have a run game like that, you kind of put the chips on the table for Will Levis, and uh, that's what happened. So I'm hoping it doesn't bode well for them in the run game against Florida because this will be the exact same thing that is probably going to happen against Kentucky here. But Miami, Ohio, passing against Kentucky, Brett Gabbert had 166 passing yards, a 71.4% completion rating. Zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, and 11 passing first downs. But he was also eh, only sacked about two times there. So not really anything boding well for Kentucky's defensive line either as it comes to pressures and sacks there against an inferior opponent. But as I said, man, every given Saturday is different. They shift some people. They're going to do stuff. I mean, they're going to shift people. They're going to do what they can to try to get to Anthony Richardson. But as I said, it just doesn't look good right now. Of course, it is a small sample size. We're just going to have to wait and see what happens Saturday. But as I said, doesn't look good here. Now, Kentucky defensive backfield versus Miami, Ohio. They had 179 total yards given up in coverage. 80 yards given up after the catch, zero interceptions. Only three pass breakups against Miami, Ohio. Now, they were targeted 30 times. They gave up a total of 22 receptions. 73.3% of passes to receivers were given up by Kentucky's defense, and only 26.7% of receptions were incomplete with only three pass breakups. Ouch, that, that doesn't look good either. Only three guys in the defensive backfield for Kentucky had a 70% PFF greater higher. None had over 70%. Does not look good. Now, when you go to Miami, Ohio's defensive backfield versus Kentucky, they had 303 total yards given up in coverage, 180 yards given up after the catch. Targeted by Will Levis 29 times, they gave up 21 receptions, which is about 72.4% of their receptions, had one interception from Eli Blakey, and only had one pass breakup. So they were able to pick Will Levis off there too when he had to force something and throw it. Hopefully that's what happens here against the Florida Gators a lot more often here on Saturday. But we do have to look out for their specialties. Now, Barry and Brown had two returns of 122 yards and a touchdown. A guy on special teams, as I said, to look out for. He's a quick guy, 10.400 meter runner. Colin Goodfellow, their punter, had two punts for 60 yards and averages about 39.7 net yards per punt for his career. That is not good if you were a punter. So uh, Kentucky's punter, we might have a little bit of an advantage against 
unless he booms some punts. But uh, just looking at his averages from now until uh, his whole career, I, I just don't see it. Um, unless he uh, ejects himself with some uh, steroids in that leg, I don't see him kicking past that net average. Or maybe he does a little bit, but I just don't see it booming across the field if uh, Kentucky goes to force to a fourth down, they have to punt it off. Now, Kentucky's kicker, Matt, Ru- I think his name's Matt Ruffolo. Now, he's actually pretty good. He's 82.9% for field goals his whole career, 13 for 13 on field goals from the 20 to 29 range. Six of eight for field goals ranging 30 to 39 yards, seven for 10 on field goals ranging from 40 to 49, and three for four on field goals ranging 50 plus. That is actually pretty good for a kicker. I'll have to give my hats off to him. So, Kentucky, if they get in that field goal range, hopefully that's all they do is get threes and they don't get sevens. But uh, as I said, man, a good kicker that Kentucky has right here. Now, as far as pass blocking, as I said, they allowed four sacks against Miami, Ohio, two quarterback contacts, and three quarterback hurries, and pressured the quarterback eight total times in passing situations. Now, Kentucky, on the other hand, in passing situations for Miami, Ohio, generated two sacks, one quarterback contact, eight quarterback hurries, and pressured the quarterback 10 total times. Now, Will Levis against Miami, Ohio, went for play-action passes 34.3% of the time against Miami, Ohio, which was pretty successful. He had 148 yards in play-action, averaging 13.5 yards per attempt, which would almost be 50% of his total yards for the game. When he didn't go play-action, he had a total of 155 yards, but only averaged 7.4 yards per attempt. Now, when Levis was blitzed, he actually was more successful against Miami, Ohio. He was 11 for 15 for 137 yards and averaged 9.1 yards per attempt and accounted for three touchdowns. So he handled pressure pretty well against Miami, Ohio. Now, when he wasn't blitzed and he actually had less success, he was 10 for 17 for 166 yards, but did average 9.8 yards per play. Now, this is when he's just kind of you know, sitting in the pocket. But when he had the least success was when he was under duress and pressure and not in blitzing plays against the defensive line. Just when the defensive line got to him, he was four for eight for only 50 yards. So I see that he did pretty well when he saw the blitz, but when the defensive line just did their job and the linebackers weren't coming for his head, he was actually pretty awful. So thank God we don't have Todd Grantham as a DC anymore. And I'm sure this staff will dial up some blitzes, but let's be honest, the, the athletes that Miami, Ohio have aren't as fast as the athletes at Florida. So those guys will be coming for his head at a faster rate here. So now going back and looking at last year's statistics, Levis was actually more successful throwing it from the 0 to 10-yard range, and that's where 34.4% of his attempts came from. He was actually pretty awful in passes 20-plus yards or more, only having a 43.6% completion rating with six touchdowns but matched it with six interceptions. So not a good touchdown-to-interception ratio there. It throws from the 10- to 19-yard range. He threw for 59.2% for seven touchdowns but five interceptions. Once again, not a good touchdown-to-interception ratio. So basically what I'm saying is terrible touchdown-interception ratio between the 10 and 20-plus yard range. So basically, if I'm a Florida fan, I'm bringing some guys up front, I'm pressuring him to throw it deep, but I'm sure Kentucky's game plan will be short pass plays to the tight ends, the wide receivers, because they'll be looking at Utah Phillip, and that's where Florida was eaten up by those two tight ends. But good news, Kentucky doesn't have those type of tight ends at all. And Wondell Robinson isn't in the backfield anymore, and 
and they were not successful at running the football against Miami, Ohio at all. And they were without three running backs, Rodriguez being the better of those running backs. But don't get me wrong, Kentucky will try to run the football. They're going to look at the 200 yards rushing Florida gave up last week. So I'm, I'm assuming their game plan will practically be the same. And if I'm Florida, I'm trying to go up two scores real quick, force Levis to use his arm, force him to air it out. I also do think Florida gets some sacks this game. Kentucky gave up a total of four against Miami, Ohio. Won't be a fun time for them at that line of scrimmage, that's for sure. And if you even look at last week against Utah, yeah, we didn't get any sacks, but Cameron Rising, he's a decently veteran quarterback. He takes care of the football. That's what Utah does. They don't want to generate any sacks. They don't want any negative plays. They're a very disciplined team. Uh, Three penalties last week. Uh, you know, Cameron Rising was able to avoid the pressure. He was able to throw it out of bounds before he got sacked or throw it to a receiver that was open. So you got to kind of give your hats off to Cameron Rising. I just don't see that in Will Levis. I think Florida's going to have a lot more success at getting to Levis and making him make mistakes. Now, as I said, they do have two fast receivers, and these are the players that you need to watch out for. Wide receiver freshman Barryan Brown. He had three receptions for 45 yards and had 122 kickoff return for a touchdown. And as I said, a 10.4900 meter runner. So this kid is fast. He's a freshman though, so he is an experience, but he does have speed, so we will have to watch out for him. Another guy that's also a wide receiver, Tavion Robinson, transfer from Virginia Tech. He's had 1,691 total receiving yards for his career over at Virginia Tech. And he averaged about 14.2 yards per reception, which is pretty good. 119 total career receptions. And he has started 36 career games. He also earned ESPN's All-ACC Midseason Team Honors at Virginia Tech. So that's another guy we got to look out for there in the backfield for Kentucky if they decide to throw deep, if they have time to throw the football. And as I said, Will Levis, he's probably going to rely on that short passing game. Maybe he takes some of those receivers on some, some mid-level sweeps in the uh, the backfield. We don't know, but uh, as I said, man, Florida will have their hands full, especially that backfield. But uh, as I said, there's more experience back there for Florida. There's more talent. Uh, you know, they do have the speed there with Barry and Brown, but I just don't see Florida having issues guarding some of these wide receivers now. And if they do have tight end success up in the middle, kind of like Utah did, you, you might want to watch out there because, uh, as I said, you, you know, you, you have you scoop guys up further. Uh, if you have a successful run game or you don't have a successful run game, a, a successful short passing offense, a lot of those linebackers, maybe that safety moves up a little bit and that kind of can open up that backfield. So Florida's going to have to be on their heels a little bit against these two guys. Now, as far as defense, the only defensive player I can really see besides the uh, linebacker coming back, Jordan Wright, was Ole Miss senior transfer DB Kadron Smith. He had five interceptions for his career, eight tackles for loss. 227 total tackles and one sack. He finished with 47 or more tackles in each of his four seasons at Ole Miss. So that's another guy we're going to have to look out for at DB. But as I said, going down the list of players that Kentucky has, these two wide receivers, this DB, this linebacker, really are the only guys that I could see that Florida needs to look out for. I don't really see any other playmakers at a skill level position that Florida is going to have to be on their heels now, I'm not saying that Florida's going to come in here and just completely decapitate Kentucky and dominate this game. They're, they're going to have to be ready. I mean, as I said, Kentucky's going to be watching film from Utah and see what was successful and apply it to what 
they're going to have to do against Florida. But Florida's going to do the same thing, though, too. They're going to look at film, see what didn't work last week, maybe switch some personnel up, maybe not, maybe keep the same guys out there. And then they're going to look at Kentucky film as well. And they're not going to just look at this game. They're going to look at Will Levis from last year and see what happened between him and Florida last year and how they lost that game. And, and listen to me, Kentucky, they had their whole team last year. It took them miracles just to even beat us by a touchdown. I mean, you get a block kick. You have, I think it was like 13 penalties that Florida committed. Uh, Florida really in that game did shoot themselves in the foot. But I, as I said, I'm not going to take the victory away from Kentucky. They did what they had to do last year. They won the football game. But at the same time, they had their full court press on. They had their full army of guys. They're missing a lot of running backs. They did get their linebacker back, but I just don't think that that's the definitive guy that's going to completely change this game around. Now, if, if it was a quarterback that was a lot better than Will Levis, I would be changing my tune here. But I got Florida winning this game. I got them winning it big. I got 37-17 to 17 in the swap. Florida advances to play USF next week. But that's my thoughts and my opinions. Uh, thank you all for your fan questions now. I will have another podcast here Sunday reviewing the game against Kentucky. Hopefully it'll be in a W fashion and not the L fashion. But I honestly, in my opinion, I don't think it will be in the L fashion unless Florida really turns the ball over or does something really terrible to uh, give Kentucky some short field or have a block kick like last year. I just don't see it. And I don't see Florida losing this game. There's no Emory Jones now. You got Anthony Richardson. You're missing Kyrie Elam, but you got Jason Marshall back there. You got a lot of other cornerbacks that could do the job as well. I, I just don't see it. Florida's a lot better team now. They do have a fantastic running back that I've seen so far that Billy Napier raves about, Trevor Etienne. Hopefully we see some more carries from him. And hopefully some of these wide receivers step up for us besides uh, Ricky Persall. But we'll see, man. We'll see in the swamp. I got the Gators winning 37-17 advancing to play USF next week. But folks, that will do it for this episode of Getting Swamped. And thank you for bearing with me last week with my really hoarse voice and how much I lost it because it was a hard podcast to get through. But we got through it there, folks, and we'll get through it here in the swamp Saturday with a W. I can guarantee you that. But folks, that will do it for this episode of Getting Swamped, your latest in football statistics, special guests, and social media. Thank you for listening to Getting Swamped.